Salutations, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the How You Feeling Podcast, a podcast dedicated to exploring the ideas of emotional intelligence in a useful and practical way. We're so excited to be back with you today with another great topic in emotional intelligence. As always, I'm your host, Dr. C, and we are joined by our co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverlin. Jeff, how are you feeling? Well, um, I'm doing pretty well today. You know, I, I have this, I, I think if I had to pick a feeling out, I, I'd be far more in like interested, inquisitive. I really like this topic. It's probably one of my favorites um, just because in education as a teacher, you know, I, I see healthy and unhealthy relationships all the time and it just, it kind of hits home pretty, pretty solid. And so um, I, I kind of like learning more about this, and, and so I'm. Uh, that's that's where I'm at. Today. Good, How good. Well, hey, I'm glad to hear that for your end. And, and on mine, hey, listen, I'm still riding the high of a new baby. Um, oh, it's it's funny. We we talk about how my older daughter. Each day, we get to see a little bit more growth and 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 world building from her. But even in the the seven or eight days that that Ren has been with us, you know, just looking at her start to figure things out and she's opening her eyes more and she's trying to take in her environment a little bit. And so even in, in looking at that kind of with the hindsight of the appreciation of, of watching our older daughter go through it. Um, it's really, I don't know. It's just something, you know, you, you, your, your parents always tell you, well, you'll get it when you have kids and you're, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Well, okay. Damn it. They're <laughs> true. And it's so much fun the second time around knowing what you know about the first time around. So I'm still riding that high. Well, good. Yeah. And you should, it, it's a very cool experience and you know, they are, they are fleeting. So you, you take Amen. them while you can. Well, again, we're so happy to be here with you guys. Today's topic as, as Jeff alluded to is that of healthy relationships. And I think we've got a really great episode on deck for you guys today, because I think this is something that, uh, especially, again, in our current um, virus management climate, really, really sort of comes to the forefront of leaning on those that, that, that you need. And, and this is a great chance for us to maybe start figuring out relationships that maybe we thought were strong aren't and those that we didn't think were aren't, aren't all of a sudden blossoming. And so I think this is a great and relevant topic for that. Uh, so yeah, so let's jump right into it, Jeff. Tell me then, what do you, what does a healthy relationship look like to you? Well, you know, I, I think I want to start with a bit of a, a disclaimer here because I, I think it's important that people realize um, that in order to have a healthy relationship, it doesn't mean that it's ever going to be perfect, that it's without conflict. Um, you know, I think some of the healthiest relationships are the ones that are able to work through challenging times. But, you know, I find this funny when you first talk to um, kids who start dating for the first time and they'll be like, well, we've never fought. We're like perfect together. Well, so this whole idea of being perfect can be a pretty monstrous thing when you finally do run into a point where there's a conflict. And instead of seeing it as a place for growth, you see it like your relationship is breaking. And so um, when I look at healthy relationships, I look for things that, you know, is there open communication? Is there respect and trust? Um, is there honesty? Is there support? You know, and I came across this article um, online from this uh, group called One Love, and they, they have the signs that they put out there of the um, 
of healthy relationships. And, you know, some of them, there are, there are 10 signs and, and I'm going to just give you a couple. And then if you um, want to look at more, we'll include this link um, uh, along with our, the podcast. And so um, I really like the one they talk about that relationships go on at a comfortable pace. Um, I think this is a really important idea that um, oftentimes we, you know, you kind of get in over your head, you know, at first and, and over time though, you, you find out that it has to sit well with you, how it's moving. One person can't want more than the other. Um, it just creates far too much stress on the relationship. So I love this idea of comfortable pace. Um, and I, I think one of the, other things that, you know, I kind of alluded to it before, the idea of healthy conflict, that that it is okay to, um, you know, have disagreements with people. It's okay to get mad. It's okay to lose your patience at times. Um, and the whole idea behind healthy conflict is that it it's something that helps your relationship get better because you can actually figure out what's at the root of it. And so, the healthier the relationship you're in, you get into these conflicts, but you'll find yourself wanting to resolve the conflict. Um, you're going to want to figure out how to get to the root of it. Um, and and a healthy conflict is one where you you really are exploring the issue and hopefully, you know, not, uh, as this article talks about, belittling anybody. Um you know, even this one talks about yelling and that we've all probably lost our cool in relationships before, too. Um, but again, in a healthy one, there's just something really profound about how um, conflict can make your relationship so much stronger. And, and I think the, the one that needs to be stated more than anything is this whole idea of fun. Um, and I know it sounds kind of... Um, it, it, it sounds like it it doesn't really fit. It's not deep enough. But but when you think about fun, you know, you think about the interests that you have and healthy relationships, people support each other's interests. You know, you do stuff that you don't always want to do, but you do it because the other person wants to. I think my favorite example of this is um, going to parades. Like, I hate parades. I, I like I hate them to a level that I can't even fathom and and my wife loves parades they like completely make her day they remind her of her childhood um and so you over time you learn that in order you know if she wants to continue that then then you do that with her because that and you find the fun in it and i've always told my kids this too that you're in charge of your own fun if you think that what you're doing is is it sucks it's not fun at all then what are you doing to fix that and I think in a relationship, if you're not finding ways to to engage in 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 fun, so to speak, I think you're missing out on a huge part of it. So they have like seven other topics on this that are worth looking at. Um, but it, overall, it's just important to understand in that healthy relationship, it isn't perfect. And 100 percent of the time, you're not going to be like running around smiling and happy. I mean, life is life. But but really overall in a healthy relationship your good stuff should outweigh oh, yeah. the bad and and so um so i know i got windy on that so what about you dr c what do you yeah see no 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 don't that? apologize that was good stuff um no you know i, I well and I'll, I'll talk quick on the, the the idea of fun actually my wife and i were just talking last night uh, i'm a big board gamer 
Um, and she looked at me just sort of randomly and was like, you know, at first I wasn't so sure about you and all these board games, but they've all been really fun and I really like doing that. So thank you. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's like little things like that where, <laughs> you know, if you, if you bring the other person in and, and, and do it in a way that, that includes them and uh, yeah, you can, you can introduce some of those topics that maybe you thought you were the only person in the world that liked to do, but you know, the, the, one of the big hallmarks that, that you didn't, cover that that I think stick out for a healthy relationship are um, just that idea of, of good communication. And again, I know we hinted at this in the last episode, but good communication with good active listening. You know, I think there is this idea that, you know, if you're in a, that the best relationships like, the, you know, you're always on the same page and you can always finish each other's sentences. And well, yeah, that happens a lot. But I think too, human nature does boil down to sometimes you need to just say things if they're on your mind. And I think in a good, healthy relationship, that idea is pretty well known that, hey, if something's bugging you or you really want to do something or you didn't want that to eat, you wanted something else, just speak up. Because, you know, I think one of the things that my mom and dad were, were big on in, in my brother and I's raising was in, in, in healthy relationships, you don't keep score. And so, you know, I think that in some cases I've seen someone say, well, boy, you always pick what we're having for dinner or you always pick where we're going. Well, in healthy relationships, I think it, it balances and it's like, OK, well, you know, I, I really wanted X for dinner tonight, but you didn't. So, OK, let's get what you want, because I know down the road you will be in the mood for what I wanted. So I think communication sort of breeds a lot of those things you talked about. But I think if, if it's if it's open and it, and it comes from a, a good place and, and you're you're listening to again, listening to learn, not to respond, I think that is a great building block for a good relationship. Yeah, those are good points. And I'm, I'm glad you brought those up. And so let's, let's go on the other side of it then. So, you know, we know what healthy relationships are, we have an idea of that, but, but what about an unhealthy relationship? So, you know, when you think of an unhealthy relationship, what characteristics would you would Sure, you yeah, well, that? listen, I, I think the thing about relationships when you think about them in the big picture is it's easy to reflect on bad ones for bad one reason or another. Um, you know, I think, I think to piggyback on what I just said, I think certainly in, in unhealthy relationships, you see a lack of communication. Uh, you see probably both a physical and an emotional distance. Like, you know, I like being around you when, when I'm checking things off my own to-do list, but otherwise, you know, I don't, um, you know, I, I think you see, you know, I, and I think too, a lot of times I think of expressions of, of, of love in, in those relationships. And I think sometimes um, misunderstandings can also lead to breakdowns. And so I think again, in the same way that, that good effective communication is a hallmark of a very healthy relationship, you know, damaged or, or poor communication skills in whatever that is, verbal, nonverbal, emotional, whatever, uh, that can really start driving a rift in, in an unhealthy relationship. What about you? You know, for me, I, it is really easy to go back to the, the healthy relationship and just do the opposite of that. But, but unhealthy, I, 
you know, when I was growing up, I had a friend who was in an unhealthy relationship. Actually, that friend was the unhealthy part of that relationship, um, was always like needed to know where their um, where their significant other was all of the time. Like, I'm not kidding. When you called or this person called, that person have better answer. Um, I, and I've seen it escalate to the point where this person would go out and find the significant other and they would actually get into altercations over um, the fact that this person wasn't available when the other one needed them. And, and so the, watching that whole thing was a really big eye opener to what um, an unhealthy relationship is. Um, but I think my biggest thing with unhealthy relationships is as soon as you lose yourself and you can no longer see your own identity, um, I think that's really a hallmark of, of an unhealthy relationship. And now I get it. When you're married long enough, you're dating long enough, you, you do kind of meld into um, a singular being sometimes. Like when you said before finishing it, each other's sentences, um, I, I think the longer my wife and I have been together, it's kind of weird. Sometimes she's thinking and I'm thinking and she says it and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that was like reading my mind. And so, you know, you do become this glob occasionally, but we both have our very, very unique, specific identities. And I never want to take that away from her. And so when you see these unhealthy relationships where they're actually working to undermine it, um, that that is really to me, that's a big, um, a big indicator. And, you know, I, I talked about this one love site early on, and they also go to the other side of this um, and talk about the unhealthy characteristics of relationships or the uh, characteristics of unhealthy relationships. And, you know, I, I'm looking at these like right now, and, you know, they talk about possessiveness, you know, another human being is not your possession. It, that like, if there is no other thing you learn in this world, that should be something. You don't own your kids, even though people like to believe that they own their kids. You know, you don't own the people who um, you're involved with as friends, as uh, as an emotional uh, or as uh, uh, in a amorous relationship. You don't you don't own them. You know, therefore, you are not able or you shouldn't be able to manipulate them to meet your needs. And, and I don't, you know, I see manipulation in relationships and it's just, it's absolutely unbelievable to watch grown adults say things to their partners where you can actually feel them trying to redirect the behavior of that other person. And, and it's really, it's really off putting from the outside. And then, you know, there are tons, like I said, there are 10 of these, but I think the other one that that I really buy into here is isolation, that if you find yourself in a relationship where you are not allowed to be with other people, um, especially of the opposite gender. You know, my wife and I talk about this all the time because in our jobs, we work with I work with a ton of women and she works with a ton of men. And we do not. It, part of our relationship is trusting that when you know we're doing our business and you know or going out to eat with somebody that it really is our relationship is built on a lot of health and strength and and trust and therefore this whole piece of uh, looking at isolation sure. is very scary to me 
But again, I've seen it. No, you can't go out with your friends because you're going to be here with me. I, I like, I don't even know how, like, I can't even envision myself have ever having that come out of my yeah. mouth, but I've seen it and it's really ugly and it's really scary. And it gets to that point where fine, now I own you. Now I'm manipulating you. Now I'm keeping you a hundred percent isolated from people. And then what happens on the day where that relationship ends and you yeah. have no self left. And I think that's what um, concerns me the most with this, especially with a 15 year old daughter who, you know, I'm constantly looking at this, everything that happens with her and her boyfriend or boyfriends um, over time, I guess. But, you know, are they treating her in a way that doesn't raise red flags? Because, you know, if not, then I need to teach her how to pull herself out of that. And so, um, yeah, it's just a very, very intriguing thing to, to look at, but there are, like I said, there are seven more besides the ones I gave you here this is really a cool article. It's interactive. Um, so it'll help you just flip right on through it. But, um, so, sure. so Kevin, let me come back at you then and, and ask, you know, so we kind of have these benefits of, or sorry, the characteristics of unhealthy relationships. What, what are you, what do you think are the effects? What are the, you know, the, the effects of being in a relationship where you sure. were, well, I think where it's unhealthy? stick out to me. And I think I've seen it quite a bit in our students and I've seen it quite a bit in my adult friend lives, but the two things that pop out to me uh, are one, and you just sort of hit the, the nail on the head as far as like that loss of self, like you just, your identity is so wrapped up in your partner and that partner is toxic for you that when that partner is not there anymore, you know, you don't remember what your hobbies were and you don't remember what you like to do because you just totally conform to what the other person wanted to do. And then the other thing uh, that is an unfortunate byproduct of an unhealthy relationship is that, that idea of the wall, right? And that idea of um, punishing future partners because of the actions of a past partner, because you don't want to get hurt again. And I think love, and again, that's not just amorous love. You know, I think my mom was always big on saying that there were different kinds of love. But, you know, I think one of the, the characteristics of love is giving fully and unconditionally every time, knowing that you're opening yourself up to potential hurt. Uh, and I think that can be tough in the world of relationships when, there are people who are physically abusive. There are people who are mentally abusive. There are people who are both. And, and I'm certainly, please do not mistake what I'm saying when I say there is ever this, we'll get over it and move on. But I do think that a byproduct of a, a continued unhealthy relationship, it, it lengthens the time to which a person tries to accept love in their life again. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean amorous love, just friendship or companionship or company. Um, and that's sad because certainly humans, as we're finding out, are, are communal creatures who need to be out in public with people, no matter how much we would argue against that. And so, you know, for someone to, to take that away from someone because they are getting a trip on being abusive or unhealthy is just very sad to me. What about you? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny while you were um, 
saying that, I was just kind of taking some notes, which, you know, if we think about our multitasking, that was not good on my part. But um, I, you know, I, I think it's important that people understand that even though I'm saying stuff like this, you like I am not a perfect human being in my relationships. And, you know, I'm I yell and I'm a yeller. I've always kind of been from the way I grew up. It doesn't make it great. Um, I, I tend to have kind of a foul mouth when I really get bent out of shape. I can be incredibly petty. Um, and I think what truly defines a healthy relationship is that when I am petty or when I am, you know, out of bounds, that I have a need and a desire to fix it and to repair what I did wrong and to come back to it because I'm in a healthy relationship where we are allowed to be human beings who just fall apart sometimes. And, and I think that is, is so important. I don't want to sound preachy. Like I have this perfect relationship because I can be, you know, like anybody else, I can have my moments and my nasty mood swings and all of that. But, but coming back to that is such an important thing where you're trying to address it and you are able to apologize. I always remember hearing something, somebody had said that, you know, anytime you make an apology, your apology needs to have multiple parts. It needs to be, I'm sorry that I did this. I was wrong. And here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And I've always like, when I've heard that, I think Randy Pausch actually said it. Um, he was a, a lecturer at... Oh, Carnegie Mellon University, I believe. Anyway, um, you can read about him. He has an amazing book. Um, and But that whole apology thing really helps me assess a healthy relationship because if I do something wrong and I'm, and I'm cycling through that process of an apology, that tells me that that relationship, I have enough value in it that, that sure. I'm really trying to get better at it. Um, and, and I think in unhealthy relationships, you know, you, you are left sometimes feeling like a void, like you don't matter, like you are insignificant, like your voice doesn't count for anything. And, and to me, the effects of that are unbelievable in terms of your mental health, your, um, your, uh, that whole idea of grit to be able to continue on to, you know, and to care for yourself. And, and I, I, kind of going back to what I started before that you, you know, this whole loss of yourself is, is an effect of an unhealthy relationship that that's potentially one of the, the saddest where you, you have no one else in your life because you've completely given up everything for this other person. And, and that to me, a life without identity is really just unfortunate. And so, um, to me, that would be probably my biggest effect of that, that unhealthy relationship. But, you know, you talked before, Kevin, about how you, um, you know, sometimes you build your new relationships on what happened in your past relationships and, or building that wall up. Um, but how, so let's say you're in a relationship that's unhealthy. How are you finding ways to detach and to, oh, to regain who question. you are and move on? Uh, yeah, I think that that is the tricky part, you know, and, I, and I've heard plenty of really good talks and plenty of sort of jokey talks about, you know, getting out of unhealthy relationships. And I think as, as we've sort of been building to, it, it's tough when you invest time and energy and, and psychology into another person that idea of cutting them off is just very foreign. 
and and you know we can you know I, I think one of the to go back to sort of the characteristic of an unhealthy relationship you know one of the things I think about is like a justification about why they can't leave well you don't understand he or she has this or he or she does this or you know that sort of thing and I think when you hear those excuses that's when you know that things are bad but I think you know it, it's tough because certainly this is a case where I would say lean on your village um, and and you know, especially in those cases like you were talking about where the, the partner is causing you to be isolated from friends and family, you know, those are the people that you need to lean on the most. And, you know, I, I think the first part is sort of admitting that you are in an unhealthy relationship, which can be tough, uh, because certainly we can justify away red flags if companionship means more than health. Um, but certainly leaning on your village and listen, you know, I'm I'm really trying to build up again and move out, you know, you know, what, what can, can we go get some coffee or can we go get some dinner? And, you know, cause I think the thing too is from the village side, there is a hesitancy to want to offer those things because maybe they're not ready to admit that they need it or that there's something wrong. And so I know that, that even in the case of immediate family, you know, you don't want to be the, well, come on, let's just go get coffee and we can talk about it. Well, maybe they're not ready to talk about it. Or they might look at you and go, we'll talk about what? Because they don't see anything wrong with it. And so I think, you know, knowing that that village is there and, and leaning on them because they might not always know when to offer can be both a challenge and a very big safety net in, in a case of an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, that those are, that's... Um bunch of really good points for that and you know it I, I i kind of struck a chord with me when you said you know you're in those the people in those abusive relationships and you know they they need to get out it got me thinking about you know like when you get to really really unhealthy relationships like um scenarios of of abuse and you know it i think over time you you hear people say well why wouldn't you just get out of that relationship and you know it's important that you all realize um you know there are a lot of reasons that people can't walk away from abusive relationships and it doesn't have to be a physically abusive it could be emotionally abusive um it could be a you know a bunch of different things coming in but it can be really difficult to walk away and if you've ever wanted to look into you know, the ideas of why that is, you know, you can really just look at like um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, um, which is the hotline.org. And they talk about on here why people stay in relationships that are abusive. But it also could be why do you stay in a relationship that's just unhealthy and not necessarily going to the extreme of of being abusive. But, you know, it can be really hard to walk away from something you have invested so much time in so much of yourself in. And I think what's important, if we go back to an earlier topic we had, I think for people, if you uh, have a healthy relationship with a friend and your friend is in an unhealthy relationship, you've really got to resist the urge to be like, you need to dump that person. You need to walk away. You really need to be able to offer that empathetic ear to let them know that, okay, I know you're struggling. And I know you're not ready yet, but as soon as you are ready, I'm I'm here, and I will be whatever support you need in that process. But but it's not your place to be pushy; yeah. it's your place to be supportive. 
Um, and, and I think that's just a really important takeaway when it comes to um, helping people remove themselves because it isn't as simple as you'd think. And you know this to just be like, oh, I'm done with you and walk away. And it doesn't have to just be love, like, you know, relationships like that. It could be friendships that are toxic. It's still very difficult to just step away, especially if that person and your world will still kind of, um, you know, orbit around each other a little bit yeah. because of your common circumstances. That's a good point. Well, so I was going to say, why don't we, we why at? don't we flip uh, the <laughs> script here and, and and move on to the healthy side of things? What do you think? So when you know we're talking about like healthy relationships and benefits of those, like I'll be honest, if I go if I just look at my marriage, I I I have a like a deep deep love for my wife. And, you know, you would hope everybody would be able to say that, but I know that's not always the case. But, but when I look at our relationship, I understand it's healthy because when I'm with her, I feel safe. I feel like I can tell her anything that I absolutely have on my mind and that, you know, it, it will stay there and it will be received with empathy. Sometimes it's received with sass and that's okay because we work through that. But, you know, it, there is something incredibly powerful and calming about a healthy relationship where you understand boundaries. Um, and at the same time, you are you're always looking to improve that relationship. You are able to, you know, laugh together. You're able to cry together. I often say to people that, <clears throat> you know, if my wife divorced me, she could destroy me with the stuff she knows. I mean, oh, my God, like ball of flames destruction. But but the health of this relationship, you know, no matter what the day throws at you, and especially now when we are stuck in a house together all the time, again, we are not perfect. We have our moments. But, you know, I, I'm pretty, it's pretty good being stuck here with her. And, you know, it's, there's something just really powerful and calming about it. And I think in terms of relationships, to me, that, that just says things are healthy. And, and I can follow that further by when I said before that I can be petty and mouthy and all of that, you know, it, for me, the health of our relationship is, is that I'm, I'm willing to seek out a solution. I'm willing to apologize, not always readily. Sometimes I just want to be Bucky and not apologize. But um, over time, you realize that it's just not worth the strain um, because it, it, it doesn't add anything good to the relationship. It just takes it away. So for me, it's that calm. It's that peace. It's that just comfort and belonging that that really sets the bar for me in yeah. terms of a benefit of a healthy relationship. So if, if what would oh, you geez, go Louise. Well, I, I would what, I would agree uh, that, that my wife and I, I think, are certainly <sighs> a, a good example of a healthy relationship. I would say that my mom and dad are, are the a great, great, great example to follow for a healthy relationship. And I think, as you had pointed out, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't argue. It doesn't mean that you don't disagree. But the love and the trust and, and the mutual respect to know sometimes I'm having a bad day and Tegan's there to lift me up. And someday she's having a bad day and I'm right there to lift her up. And I think, again, that, you know, I think that the, one of the big benefits of a healthy relationship is not needing to keep score. And I know I talked about that already, but, you know, 
in healthy relationships to me seems things seem to balance out over the long run. And so if that means that I come to Tegan's aid three times and she only comes to me one time in week one, I, I would imagine that in week two, you know what I mean? Like I, it's just, it's just one of those things that you just have to be. And in whatever way that ends up being, it ends up being. And I think, um, you know, it's just it's it's such a cool thing when you know you're in one of those relationships, uh, because then the dark times don't seem so dark, and the happy times can be moderated by, hey, let's keep moving forward and not rest on this. And so, I'm very fortunate to have something like that also. Yeah, and it's cool. It's a cool gift that you know. I know not everybody can get or gets in this life, and and so to me. And I feel it from what you're saying, too. You you value it. And and maybe that is the number one indicator of uh, a healthy relationship is the value that personally that you find um, because of what the value it adds to your own life. And so um, even if you weren't specifically saying that, that's kind of what I hear coming from you as well. And and so, you know, I yeah, it, when you find that relationship, whether it's a friend or um, being in love that really does fit the bill and because is a, that healthy, amazing experience. It, it's really profound. It's truly Indeed. Well, hey, why don't we chat just for a second here about some of the things that we do to maintain healthy relationships? Like, what's one thing you do? Let's and but I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you to get outside of your wife and let's talk about maybe some of your close friends or or. <laughs> um, other village members. What's something you do to maintain a relationship that, that you deem to be healthy? Okay, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you actually said it like that because, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I realized, I made this really conscious kind of aha moment where um, I was a crappy friend. Like, you know, I got so wrapped up in my life that I wasn't touching base, um, that I could go forever without seeing people. And now during this stupid time, you know, I'm not necessarily seeing people, um, but I run into my best friend um, as he wanders up and down the street because he luckily moved in like six houses away. And um, and now we do see each other more, even though we are completely, you know, um, isolated. Um, and And so that realization that I was not a good friend, that I wasn't doing my part, um, was huge for me. And so when I embrace healthy relationships, my job now, and I can't, I'm not always perfect at it, but am I touching base with people? Am I checking in with them? Am I just making sure that that they're doing all right? Or am I saying hello? Or am I remembering specific things that, that we should, you know, need to talk about? And, and the thing with life is life gets complicated as an adult, you know, and then you have a family and you are buried under a million different obligations. But especially in our current world with technology, mm -hmm. it takes very little to say hello. And, and I think for me, for the relationships that matter, and, I, and I'm telling you, I, in terms of like friends I've had my whole life, I don't, I don't have a ton of people that I've known, you know, my whole life or ones that have stood the test of time. I mean, it's like a handful. And, you know, every once in a while, a new person climbs into that handful, but the handful never seems to empty out. Um, but I had to make a conscious effort to be better at, at being a friend because, and stop blaming. I couldn't blame life anymore because that really wasn't 
it, it wasn't a good excuse. It was just, how am I going to reach out now? And, you know, having a Zoom party with, um, and I shouldn't even say a handful of friends. I probably have two handfuls. But um, the other night, two weeks ago, having a Zoom party with a bunch of people um, that mean the world to me that I haven't seen in person in a long time. Um, and it was a ton of fun. Now, you know, it, we were, it was a social, I guess, drinking party. Um, but you know, Hey, totally, you know, just, we were just catching up and, and saying hello and laughing and again, offering each other that, that communication. And, you know, we value each other enough to be here for one another, even when we really can't be. And so, to me, that's that's how I've learned to embrace. Yeah, well, what I, I think you, what you sort of hit the nail on the head in, in checking in, and I think, um, you know, again, lessons I've learned from from family is, you know, one of my mom's favorite isms was make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other gold. And you know, as you stake out and make new relationships and new friends, you can't forget about the old ones, especially if they mean something to you. Um, and, I, and I think for all of the, the negative press that Facebook and social media gets, for all of the fake and bad news that they, that they shout out, um, one of the things that I continue to love about it is that for the folks that, that don't live around me anymore that I can't see frequently, you know, to, to send them a, a private message on Facebook or to text or to call and just, just to check in with, with no real agenda, I think that, that to me is a huge, huge way um, of maintaining uh, relationships. And, and I think we'll talk about it in a little bit later. Uh, so I don't want to rain on the parade, but, but ask me that question again when we get to the prompt at the end of the episode. Well, good. Well, okay. hey, let's put a bow on this uh, topic. What does what, what, what healthy relationships boil down to for you? Um. I guess healthy relationships to me boil down to um, a peace of mind that you are valued, that you have identity, that you are supported, that it is mutual um, from a biological standpoint that, you know, you're both benefiting from a relationship, um, that it's not one sided or if it is one sided at some points, it will shift to being one sided on the other side at other times and that it's that ebb and flow. And so to me, that's a healthy relationship. And, and so then let me talk. Yeah, where, where, where would you put it? We're a lot on the same page on this kind of stuff. But again, to me, and I, and I know I've harped on this before, but healthy relationships are, are, are those where healthy communication exists. Um, and I think if we, if we can continually work to be better communicators, um, I think you'll see the quality of relationships grow across the board um, and, 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 you know, speaking up for what you want and, and negotiating or compromising when necessary, but all of that comes through communication. Uh, and so to me, that's, that's a hallmark of a, of a healthy relationship is active and, and growing communication. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one thing before, you know, we get wrapping up on this topic, though, I, I'd really like to pick your brain a little on one of my favorite analogies that we talk about with healthy relationships is this idea of, of life being a theater. 
And, you know, it, it is potentially one of my favorite concepts. Sure. And so, you know, I, I've seen this before, too, and it largely is this that. idea that if if you were to think about those in your life, and again, this is good, bad, and ugly, um, but you, you think of yourself as being on the stage looking out into this theater, and then the idea of where would you put different people in your life in that theater based on largely whatever you want, how often you talk to them, what they mean to you. Um, you know, again, I think the cool thing about it is everybody's reasons for where they put people in the theater can be their own. Um, you know, I know that I've done this exercise a few times. I'm like, I love when I hear that people are like, well, yeah, I left this person in the car in the parking lot because I don't even want them in the theater. And it's like, well, that's you know, hilarious that they even were thinking outside the box that way. Um, you know, I've heard of people putting people at the concession stand or waiting in line to buy a ticket or, you know, it's still finding their seat, things like that. You know, but I think at the base level, it's one of those where perhaps your most trusted or your most healthy relationships would largely be like in the front row. And then as you get deeper into the theater, friends that are still friends that maybe you don't talk to as much. And then friends who maybe have stop becoming friends for because of distance or whatever. Uh, and then they just start working deeper and, and, and deeper back into the theater. Um, and then again, sometimes you can have people out in the parking lot and the concession stands and all that. Uh, but I would say as it relates to me, um, you know, my, my immediate family, my, my wife, my two daughters, um, and then my, my brother and my mom and dad would definitely be in a front row. Um, I imagine uh, that I'd have, if this was a pet-friendly theater, my two pups would also uh, be there. Uh, although I don't know whose job it would be to hang on to them while I'm performing on stage because they can be a bit rambunctious. But, uh, you know, and then you just sort of branch back. And I think, you know, in, in fear of talking about it too long, I think largely that's how that exercise goes. And I think the theater, like a lot of activities that we would do in this in, in these topics, should be done more than once, because I would imagine that the people you put in your theater when you're 15 are not the same people that are going to be in your theater when you're 20 or 25 or 30. Uh, and so that's something that I look to update even sort of casually, probably once a year, just to think, well, does that person really deserve to be that close to me for one reason or another? Or, or, or do I need to love them from a distance? Um, so what about your theater? Well, I actually, kids, and you explained it perfectly. And like I said, I love this analogy. And I think when we think of healthy relationships as well, you know, there are times you, those people that sit in the front row, you may actually kick them out of the theater for a moment. Um, you know, when, when things, when they're making you mad, or at least you stick them in the back, you make them go to the bathroom for a while or something, you know, um, it, it, this whole idea that it can evolve and, and change constantly um, is a very important thing um, that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be permanent for life because life changes. And, and so, yeah, this analogy to me is like seriously one of my favorites in, in that it can be funny. Um, and then as you get more and more specific, you know, who gets the center front row, who gets the, like, you could really get into this and, and just see where your priorities are. And I think my favorite piece of this is when, you you can look at that seating chart and you say to yourself, wow, I, you know, my brother is in like the the back balcony and that should really make you start to question, why did I put him in the back balcony? 
is, is, do I want him closer? Have I been trying? Have I put out effort? Um, and so it can really help you self-assess too. And so, yeah, mine changes all the time. I mean, right now, the only people allowed in my theater are my, you know, the three other people that live in the house and my dog. Um, and so, you know, will that theater change? Yes. I mean, are there video screens in of other people in my theater? Absolutely. Um, it's just the in-person's a little tough right now, but, but this is such a good analogy. And if I can find a blank okay. theater layout, I'll actually... Hopefully we can include like four links or so. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But so, so yeah, that, uh, yeah. Thanks for explaining it like you did, because that is exactly how it needed to be explained. And I think people really should take a moment to, yeah, yeah. to kind of outline well, good. Well, who's in their audience. And let's where they're uh, at. give our, our listeners something to respond to here. And I, and I know I alluded to this a little bit ago, and this is such a great, uh, context to to provide a, a response section, but uh, there there is this document that exists in the interweb uh, that talks about this idea of the five love languages, and we will include a link to the love language questionnaire in the show notes, and we would love for you to complete it and then tell us what your love language was, your primary love language, uh, and I think this is another one of those. Uh, tactics I, I have used uh, to to make sure that when I praise or when I try to be spontaneous, that I do it with my partner or my friend or whoever other person I've done the love language questionnaire with, uh, that I've done that with that in mind. Because, you know, I think one of the one of the five love languages is gifts. And I think, you know, lots of people love receiving trinkets from time to time. But there are a lot of people that don't, and they don't need stuff, and they're not material. And so you think you're doing a good thing by buying them this gift that you saw while you were traveling, and they get it, and they're like, oh, oh, thanks. Uh, where, where maybe they wanted to just spend time with you, or they wanted to just <laughs> talk about things, or, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And so, so what we would love you all in listener land to do is to take that love language questionnaire, which we'll provide a link in the show notes, or just tell us what's your primary love language and, and, and talk about some reasons why you think that might be. And then I would encourage you uh, to, to share that link with people in your life, because I think that provides a great, great, great communication jump off point. If you're looking for a new element to talk about with a partner or a friend or a family member. I know that my wife and I have done it and we do it periodically just to see if that has changed at all. Um, but I would encourage you to to share that link with with those that you care about to see if maybe there's a better way to communicate with them uh, in a way that they want versus in what you think they want. So as always, it's been our pleasure to be here with you guys. Jeff, if people want to hear more from you on social media, how can they do it? Awesome. Um, they can reach yeah, me. You can find me on Beverly Twitter J at KP and as always, we would love to hear your responses. You can send them to our email address, which is howyoufeelingpodcast at gmail.com. How, the letter U, feelingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us. And actually, I, I sent a tweet out last night in relation to an episode we had just uh, recorded. And would love to hear your response. But we are on Twitter at podcast. And then as always, we would so greatly appreciate a follow or a like on either Spotify or the Anchor FM app. Uh, we love growing our listener base and hope that uh, what we're doing is providing value in some of your lives. 
Uh, Jeff, any wrap-up thoughts before we take it home? No, I think we've definitely taken this one home a lot. So it's Awesome. Well, and thank you. And I always love uh, chatting with you. So this um, was good. You definitely helped to put things in perspective for me. Uh, and for everyone else, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of each other. And thanks again for listening to another episode of How You Feeling.